Hey, hello, everybody, and welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. Hey, this is Ryan Parker. Wake up, Ryan. I'm wide awake. <laughs> I've been up for hours. It's a little early out there in L.A., I know. What's the, what's the weather like out there? Sunny and low 60s. Nice. It's a beautiful day. Hey, you know, one of the cool things that I've come across when I drive my wife to work at the hospital on the way home, we listen to the local NPR station, KCRW, great music station. And if you haven't heard of this, you can find it online. David Lynch, every morning at like 9.15 or 9.30, reads the weather come report. On. And the David it, Lynch? It, the David Lynch, every morning. You got to go pull them up and listen to them. They're great because he's just this, you, you're reminded that he's a brilliant filmmaker, but he's also, he's also an old guy. Yeah. So he's just like looking out his window, you know, it's sunny and I haven't left the house in a year, you know, kind of stuff. That's funny. I'm going to get my vaccine today. Like he's just, it's the best. Speaking of funny older guys, you put me onto the Instagram account of Dan Harmon, the creator of Community. Uh-huh. And that dude is crazy. Yeah. Yes. I mean, brilliant yes. and funny as yes. shit, but <laughs> he's, he's wacky, Whack, man. Wacky. Wacky doodle. I want to call, talk some TV uh, outside of what we're talking about. Yeah. Before we get to um, Murder Among the Mormons, episode two, there's, a, there's like a Gen X moment going on right now. I don't know if you've noticed. Talk to me. But there's just a Gen talk X me, moment Goose. in culture. There's just a lot of throwback stuff. Okay. I mean, you see it in something like Stranger Things. We talked about Cobra Kai. You see it in this. You know, there's a lot of, even in Murder Among the Mormons, there's a lot of early 1980s outfits and hairdos and, you know, big, chunky glasses, etc. But I watched, because it was recommended to me, and because my brother lives in Bend, Oregon, and I go there a couple times a year, I watched this documentary on Netflix called The Last Blockbuster. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. Dude, not good. Oh, never mind. I'll pass. I'm sorry. It 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 starts with such promise and then it is like so I'm I really hope that the yeah, uh, like I rarely talk badly of shows. I'm I'm one of those people that like if I don't like a show, we don't even need to talk about it in the podcast Same. because What's the point? You know what I'm saying? Let's just talk about good shows and shows we want people to listen Puts to. positivity out there. Well, now this thing of, you know, where Netflix shows you like, this is, we recommend this for you. It's number three in the country today. And, and I think, well, most of those I pass over because they're not like, you know, Bridgerton, which you, you watched and I read a couple reviews about and thought, ah, that's probably not for me. And then your ultimate review of it confirmed that I made the right choice not to watch it. The last blockbuster, I'm like, oh, this is right down the strike zone for me. You know, this is like, yeah. it's kind of a throwback documentary. And, oh, dude, no, I'm sorry. It's, first of all, it's just like C-list or D-list celebrities that they could get on camera. People I've never even heard of who just get many, many minutes of film that, I don't think they're that funny or interesting. There are a couple interviewees who are super interesting and funny, but the vast majority of them I found neither. The people who work at the Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, are absolutely awesome and sweet, and they're the stars of the show, in my estimation. Mm -hmm. It should be more about them and less about, you know, these 
Hollywood D-list celebrities sitting down looking at the camera and talking about the smell of a blockbuster and the clicking sound when you open the VCR box or the $1 rewind fee. You know, it just, it it was like almost like it could have been a 44-minute documentary. It did not need to be an hour and a half documentary. And it really just bogs down in the middle. That's my my two-minute review. I had a friend visit he from Mississippi this week who has two boys like fifth and sixth grade age ish and they did a spring break road trip epic road trip where they left Mississippi and drove all the way out here to Los Angeles put their feet in the ocean stayed one night and turned around and drove back they're on their way back to Mississippi now and they you know they saw things along the way and sure a couple stops but I have a projector and a screen out back on the patio. And I said, hey, guys, we can uh, go outside and have a movie night, order a pizza. I asked the boys, mm-hmm. what do you want to watch? They don't pick a movie. They want to watch the season two finale. They want to rewatch the season two finale of Cobra Kai and the big fight scene it. in the school. And they just thought it was the best, coolest thing that they could possibly watch. And that is fantastic. I was like, these kids these days, kids, these, hey, but one last thing for this is a kind of banner weekend for comic book nerds out there because HBO Max has the Snyder cut of Justice League, four hours, and two minutes of DC goodness, maybe. And I'll be watching that this weekend. But Disney Plus released their new series this weekend, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, another MCU series and I watched the actually watched the first episode this morning before we recorded and I have to say it looks very good and looks to be another promising series. I don't know if it'll be a killer series, a uh, killer serial for us because you may be burned out on superhero. I need a little, I need a little comic book. Yeah, break, I thought bro. you would, but uh, just saying it's uh it's very smart, very well acted. And my gosh, the special effects and production design and fact, va- I mean, the values are just through the roof. Like there's a, what feels like a 10 minute, action sequence to start this series right the first episode mm-hmm. and it's straight out of a bond film like and it's a tv show it's just it's remarkable it's just i'm consistently blown away by their quality i think even we saw that on on wandavision the the amount of money yeah that disney plus has to spend on these shows is just astronomical i mean i look when i when i scroll through disney plus their app, I think, oh, there's not that much on here that I'm that interested in, like lots of old, you know, Disney kid movies and stuff like that. But these new shows they're producing, they have got huge budgets. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I will say one int- little interesting, you know, thing that they talk about in the last blockbuster documentary. Of course, they, they deal somewhat with the failure of blockbuster and how Blockbuster had an opportunity very early on to purchase Netflix for not that much money, you know, for like $500 million or something was the rumored amount. Yeah. Like, and they passed on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like one of those. Probably a good thing. You know, it was like when Google offered to buy Groupon and the guy who found a Groupon was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... That was stupid. Yeah. Whatever happened to Groupon? <laughs> exactly. That's my point. 
<laughs> and whatever happened to Blockbuster? Basically, the whatever same happened thing, to Google. Know? Well, speaking of Netflix, they are you know they're tapped the zeitgeist with these true crime throwbacks, and I'm I'm the target audience, as I said last week when we chatted with our friend Jana about this series, you know, it reminds me in some ways of Wild Wild Country, which is really one of my all-time favorite docu-series. I absolutely loved it. This doesn't have quite the craziness of the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, but... You want to say that again? You nailed that. I love it, baby. Bhagwan, the Bhagwan. You nailed it. I, I mean, I just followed the Bhagwan. You know, it was funny because it, you and I have talked offline too about the forthcoming film about Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. And of course, I'm very close friends with Jay and we'll have him on the podcast to talk about that film when it comes out for sure. But in that same vintage, I was growing up as this kind of very mainline Christian kid, went to youth group, like taught vacation Bible school, was a camp counselor for church camp. But I was fa- I would watch Jim and Tammy Faye. I was absolutely fascinated by the PTL Club, and I would watch it because it was just a type of a version of Christianity with which I had no contact other than through a TV screen. And similarly, I have very vivid memories of the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh in Oregon and all the national news around him. But I'm telling you, I confessed this last week. I have no memory of these Mormon murders, which also happened right in that same time period, like when I was a junior in high school. So I have found it interesting. And I did think, I know you've got a theory. I can't wait to hear it. I did the only, you know, I appreciated that this episode moved the whole thing forward, but I was really, one thing I liked that the documentarians did in this episode was introduce us to a couple new characters, which I think yes. adds to the layering and the or the flavor or whatever. I think that that was like a smart directorial move. Like, let's do this Michael George, this this cop with the handlebar mustache who's like the least Mormon guy of any of the people they interview. Yeah, he's talking about porn with his camcorder. <laughs> it's just it's like uh, it's this is a different era because he's not no one's pulling that at work yeah, anymore. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and the woman just looks at him and is like, "You got to practice." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I'm telling you, that part I just wanted to say, you know, well done. And obviously, then the big reveal is in in episode 2 here is that, you know, they find out that Mark Hoffman is a forger and his whole deal i mean it's crazy seeing him like <laughs> getting arrested and getting handcuffed with some of his fingers missing you know <laughs> it's like holy crap so i want to hear your yeah i know yeah. you've got some theories let's let's hear them well i don't know if i have a theory but i just have some ideas and i think the show itself is i'm finding it a bit slow and not as intriguing as some of the other true crime series that are out there and to kind of recap on the second episode, we're, as you said, we're introduced to some new characters on the law enforcement side in the rare document world. And this episode is all about the investigation, the early days of the investigation to figure out who's responsible for these bombings in 1985 in Salt Lake. 
And as you said, we end up, spoiler alert for people who, who haven't watched, but you know, really starting to question Mark Hoffman's culpability, the integrity of his whole business, right, of these rare documents, as the investigators have worked through other suspects. And there are people who are closely associated with Mark who are just grilled by investigators. There's a lot of lie detector tests being taken. And I, I thought one thing that, that was quite interesting were the two agents who were tasked with verifying the authenticity of some of the documents that Mark had in his possession or was attempting to sell. Yeah, those guys, George Throckmorton and William Flynn, those forensic examiners, that, that was another good addition to the lineup. You couldn't make that character in a novel. Like, you'd be like, okay, you change that last name. But I, also, it just made me think of those of people who work in public service who who just do tireless work that you know we talk about the government and uh, and we've seen all this criticism of the government and big government and all that kind of stuff and I think yeah but it's also composed of people like Throckmorton who are just quietly doing their work with a great sense of integrity and responsibility and and how he said you know I thought I would be there a week and what was it like 2 months worth of work to verify this document to get at the truth, right? Which is, which appears to be so far, you know, we've got one episode left, but the, like, like one of the detectives said, the holy grail of evidence, right? That's going to really help them convict Mark or certainly find out who's responsible for these bombings. So I thought that was quite interesting, but two things here. I think the series so far is showing me, teaching me, making me think about our viewing practices and how we consume content more than it's teaching me anything about like religion in America or Mormonism or anything like that. Cause this should be a 90 minute documentary or a 100 minute documentary feature. Interesting. I, and so it made me think of the joke that Amy Poehler told at the golden globes this year. She was like, I don't want to sit down and watch a two hour movie. I want to sit down and watch six one hour movies like <laughs> binging. And what is that? Why, why, why does Netflix say I want three 40 minute episodes and not yeah. a 100 minute movie? What, what is that? It's, and I know, is it the, is it the practice of binging? Is it this idea that I'll keep them around? Because they won't sit for 100 minutes, but they'll sit for 120 if I break it up into three sections. It's just really interesting to me. I think that's fascinating. I mean, first of all, back to what I was saying about the last blockbuster, I don't think it needed to be a 90-minute movie. I wonder <laughs> if they would have made, you know, five 45-minute episodes if I would have been like, oh, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was about right. Yeah. My daughter says this to me all the time. So does my younger son. My, my older son, who's 20, he does love films, and he's trying to, like, he's watching all of the Oscar-contending films with my mom. This, oh, nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, right now. Like, there's some good they're films. They're finding everyone they can stream and, and watching them together. Yeah. He wants to watch through the whole AFI 100 list, et cetera. My, my other two kids who are 19 and 16, every time Tanner and I sit down for a movie, they that's exactly what they say. I don't want to watch a movie. I don't have 90 minutes. 
They yeah. they refuse to watch movies. They're, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and I also because I say, if you're going to watch a movie with me, you're going to put away your effing phone. Like I, yeah. I cannot watch a film and have you over there phone. on the couch staring at your phone the whole time. Forget it. Yeah. But so it's you're you're exactly right, Ryan. Because then I'll say to my son, you know, like, hey, do you want to watch the new Last Chance You? Like the new basketball season just dropped. You know, do you want to watch an episode with me? And he's like, Oh, I've already watched. I've already watched them all. <laughs> it's been out for like three days. I'm like you're doing online school. When are you? Oh, I'm watching. You know, after I'm done with school, Dad. Don't worry. Yeah. But yeah, he'll watch. He won't watch a movie with me, but he'll watch. You know, ten episodes at fifty minutes each of Last Chance You. Yeah, it's interesting how we've shaped our our behaviors and our and our viewing patterns and 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 look i'm not saying anything new or that hasn't been commented on elsewhere but this is a docu series that in in form and content i don't know why it deserves 3 episodes and we'll see how the third episode plays out and also i think this <laughs> this story would have been better told as a dramedy either series or mini series or feature film because in this episode we also get historical reenactments especially of Shannon and Mark in their Mazda M2 yeah. with an Uzi so i just want everybody if you're listening to this to go look up the poster for the 2016 film <laughs> War Dogs oh that's starring Miles it's... Teller yeah and Jonah Hill and tell me that that is not Shannon and Mark that's what they were going for with that. You were in the exactly 80s. right. And Jared Hess, you know, out there, great comedic talent, but also mm -hmm. someone for, you know, that's taking the subject matter very seriously, at least as, as they've adapted the form for this story. You could just see him directing this feature because he did that. Also, he did that film. What was it? Don Verdeen about the the archaeologists like the biblical archaeologists i don't know if you remember that film but anyway mm -hmm. i digress that's it just felt like a why is it a why is it a three-parter and then b it could have also just been a dramedy feature yeah i think that's a really good point i mean a dramedy that also has sit down interviews because i mean you you can't lose characters like shannon flynn and michael george yeah shannon flynn is just too good too good at, it, with his croaky voice in his oh you mean you mean now like how they are now yeah now in real person like yeah. and and some some of the magic of this i think is these quick cuts they do you know they'll show shannon flynn horrible poker face by the way yeah oh my <laughs> he's not gonna be at your poker game in uh, dallas is he yeah the the when the, when the lady on the, in the tv studio stands him up and says you know, do you know anything about this? And he smiles. He's like, well, of course yeah. not. And then his face <laughs> just goes out of control. <laughs> but then they immediately cut to him in present day. I mean, watching the old and young versions of these people is really, I think, fun, especially when you think, you know, those of us who are old enough to have aged 30 years in, in the same, you know, time frame. I think that's some of the magic of it, but I do think the reenactments have been clever and funny. And, and I, although this obviously is a story about two people who got murdered, 
it's not without some comedy comic relief i mean i do like but this is the problem of course with these shows that are full so much of sit down interviews is there some people you cannot wait for them to come on the screen Shannon, you know yeah. like throck throck morton be like i don't really like people that's why i went into yes. becoming a yes <laughs> or shannon flynn or michael george but then other people come on the screen like mark hoffman's wife dory and you just want to like grab her by the lapels and shake her because she's not a good interview <laughs> she's not a sympathetic figure but then you see the cutbacks to her and i i said to courtney she was just a little girl and she's yeah. just like was taken for a ride by this Mark Hoffman guy. And of course, there's all sorts of cultural expectation on women and wives and mothers in Mormon culture to, you know, to to have a bunch of kids and and that kind of thing. So I, I'm glad you brought that up about Mark's wife because it touched on some uh, this episode made me think about something that Jana said last week, which was the expectation that our culture has for Mormons to be a model minority. And as I watched this episode, I, I jokingly said to, said to my wife, they're just like us. They're susceptible to corruption and ego and flash, like every Christian mega church pastor that has ever been, right? Because this episode is so much about how Mark was also falling into this kind of high pressure wheeling and dealing moving money around taking multiple trips to new york and the shannon's the story that shannon tells about him going to the bar with you know colleagues that he's trying to impress and just pounding liquor that's the lie detector test that i wanted administered is i was like shannon there's no way he's doing 16 doubles in an hour and is standing up yeah that was totally ridiculous <laughs> but that idea of like the pressure of being the model minority i mean they explained the mm -hmm. tension between mark and his dad and how strict his dad was you can see some yeah. of that kind of playing out in the type of lifestyle that yeah. he was living but i also thought that the the kind of role of documentarian within the series itself was quite interesting how serendipitous it was for george to have a camcorder and to take it to work and I'm not quite sure that's legal, but the fact that it was on in the war room, as they called it, I mean, you got to be, you got to put yourself and and Tyler right. and Jared's shoes to be like, what a crazy line of footage. I, co I commented and on that. Also, to I'm wondering if that's not Tyler's dad, who was one of Mark's friends. There's a there's yeah. a gentleman who's interviewed yeah. a couple times in this episode yeah. with the last name Meesum, which is also Tyler's last name. So I'm wondering if there's any relation there. And then also, I thought it was quite eerie to have documentary footage, essentially home video footage. Mark had his camcorder and was filming his wife while they were listening to news accounts of the bombings. That right. That's quite good, too, quite, quite frankly, in terms of good and weird and, and creepy. creepy. Exactly. And also, I mean, just the fact that there was that studio audience show in Salt Lake. And the suspects are in the audience. <laughs> It, within like two days after the bombings, there, you know, what yeah, world so, is this? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it was must have been one of those things. It, it was the same. Look, it was the same with Wild Wild Country, right? Is that the people who were who moved out to Oregon and were 
you know, living in this cult were filming almost everything. Like they had, they, the Bhagwan wanted everything filmed yeah, nonstop. So, yeah. So they, so this treasure trove of footage and it'll be, you know, let's just think forward 30 years. I mean, how are the, how are people even going to sift through the infinite amount of video footage that's being taken on a daily basis today when they look back and try to piece together, you know, whatever, what even the murders that happened this week, you know, in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Rife for some kind of documentary treatment down the road. So, yeah. Well, I haven't looked ahead. I, nor have I. Uh, I have seen, you know, some things like, oh, the big twist in episode three. So, you know, all I've been wondering is, is Mark Hoffman in jail or dead? Because he's not. Or is he going to be the, thus the main interviewee? Interviewed yeah. in, in the documentary. And I don't know and I don't want to know. I want that to be revealed in the third episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. So we'll be watching that next week. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening in, everybody. And we'd love to have you like and review and share and rate the podcast so that more people can hear about it. We appreciate you listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts if you got a show or movie you want us to tackle on Killer Serials. So until next time, have a great week. Stay safe. Keep wearing your mask, even if you're vaccinated. And we'll be back with you to talk about the third and final episode of Murder Among the Mormons next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.